0: we're still actually we only had four passages for this straight out of context series but we added a fifth one so we're going to do a quick little recap we are landing this series this week next week we'll start in Romans and we're going to go from cover to cover in Romans it's going to be it's going to be lengthy but it's going to be good we're a church that values the word of god highly and in doing so we want to preach through the whole through all scripture from from cover to cover and, and we don't want to leave anything out Oftentimes, we, we, we find ourselves wanting to pick and choose the passages that are, are suitable for us or, or that speak uh, favor to us, whatever the case may be, and we want to avoid the difficult ones. Well, with this series, there are some difficult passages in Romans that we're going to come across, and we're not going to skip over them. We're going to talk about them, and it's going to be fruitful and helpful for all of us. So first week, we looked at Philippians 4.13. Kelly had said, you know, it's, it's that passage, I can do all things, through Christ who strengthens me. And he used the analogy of, of the, the uh, basketball players who or, or football players who have Philippians 4.13 on their faces or on their shoes, and then the, then his opponent has the same passage on their shoes. Well, who wins if, if they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them? And so he brought some good context for that. Uh, the next one was Matthew 7.1, and it was judge not that you not judge not, that you not be judged. And Isaiah talked about that. We we walk into the room with a two by four, and we're knocking people out, trying to get a speck out of other people's eyes. And he brought that into. Uh, oh, was that? He did that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we did uh, Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, and not to hurt you. And and we love to grab a hold of that. And and. Try to walk that out. Oh, he has plans for me not to prosper, to prosper me, not to hurt me. And that's true, but when we look at it in context, it actually says something quite different. Um, John 14, 14. Ask anything in my name. Jesus said this. It's like the name it and claim it. Jesus, I pray in your name for that Ferrari. Jesus, I pray in your name for that beautiful house. Jesus, I pray in your name for the wonderful Hawaiian vacation that I don't have the money for, but I'm claiming it in your name. And you're going to give it because that's what your word says. No, it doesn't work like that. He's not, God's not a vending machine. What do we do when we isolate these scriptures? That's exactly what we do is, is we, we make God out to be something that he's not. And I know for me, what I've gotten from this scripture is, is, or this series is that when we make him that we're, we're, we're actually doing it for our benefit and, and excluding God from the equation and taking him out of his role as Lord and Savior over our lives. And we're, we're, we're doing it to just simply benefit ourselves. God does want to benefit us, but not just for our benefit. Because he's God and he loves us and he wants to bless his children and be kind to us. Today we're looking at a passage that speaks of healing. Can anybody think of a passage that we pray for people often when we're praying for healing? Marianne said it, by his stripes, by his stripes, be healed in Jesus' name, be healed. We pray this all the time. It's not a wrong prayer. It's not the wrong way to pray. Actually, it's a good way to pray. God does heal, but when we isolate this passage, we do the same thing that we did previously. Is we make him uh, like, like a vending machine. Everybody gets to be healed because that's what this says. Everybody's healed. That's simply not true. The passage is Isaiah 53.5, and I'm going to read it out of the New King James because it actually says, by his stripes we are healed. Several translations say different things. Uh, but it says, it says this, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, or by his stripes, we are healed How many of you have prayed for somebody to be healed before? It's it's a good practice as a Christian. The Holy Spirit lives in the heart of every believer, and we should be praying for people to be healed. Did it work? Yes, no, yes, no, sometimes. So I do it all the time. I pray for people to be healed Weekly, I ask ask people to pray for me to be healed. I didn't sleep last night, barely at all, because the neighbors were having a party, and I have sleep apnea, and I'm having sinus issues, which stops me from using that machine. So I prayed, Lord, heal me of my tiredness. It didn't work. (laughs) I stand here before you half asleep. I also am actually experiencing quite a bit of back pain, more back pain than I ever can recall experiencing. Like physically right now, I'm, I'm experiencing that. I've prayed for that to be healed over and over and over again, and, and I haven't been healed. Scripture talks all over about the power of a testimony, so I'm going to share some stories and give testimony, and in this story, I'm going to testify that the man that I have prayed for did not get healed. His name is Nick Saltis, and he leads Fullerton, and he has sleep issues, and he's had like gnarly sleep issues for years, and I have prayed for him literally for years for him to be healed. And he has not. And I know countless people who continue to pray for him to be healed and have prayed for him for years to be healed, and he hasn't been healed. I've had way more failures than successes when it comes to praying for healing. I'm sharing these stories because I'm trying to help us understand that when we isolate this passage in and of itself, we're not giving it the justice that it deserves because it's out of context, and God doesn't heal everybody, all the time, in every moment. And there are some people that actually believe that because of this passage, everybody gets healed all the time. And it's just simply not true. Our friend Daniel Rickert, he prayed for Steph one time, and this still blows my mind, gives me chills when I think about this. Steph has had uh, hip trouble, knee trouble, back trouble, and he sat down. He said, can I pray for your foot? Can I pray for your leg at our house? Literally had her her put her feet out in front of her, sitting like, like this, you know, with both legs out. And as he prayed, I watched my wife's leg physically grow. That is healing. That happened. I'm not a dishonest man. So I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord healed my wife's leg. She has less hip pain. She has less back pain. You know what's interesting? She has so many other things that we would love for God to heal her from, but he hasn't. And for whatever reason, in that moment, he chose to heal her, her, her leg, lengthen her leg to the length of the other leg. And I've heard other stories about that where that's actually happened as well. God's amazing, and he does want to heal. He just doesn't do it all the time. David Chisholm, some of you might know him. He was at Fullerton. And he was here before he was at Southlands Fullerton. Uh, we were there at Fullerton, and I remember he asked me to pray for his back, and I laid my hand on his back. And I was praying, and he had a a shoulder injury that was not going to be repaired without surgery. Like They they were like, you're never going to be able to throw a football again. You're not going to be able to throw a baseball. You're not going to be able to do any of that stuff until you get this surgery. I'm praying for him. I physically feel a pop underneath my hand. And I'm like, should I ask him if he felt that? Like, "Uh, no, I'm just going to keep praying. That's a little weird. Did you feel that? No? Ugh geez, okay, well, let's keep praying. So I pray for him. I continue to pray. He texts me, goes home, texts me like two hours later. He's like, I'm healed. I've been, and I've been throwing a football at my futon for the last two hours just to try to get it to hurt. And it's not hurting, it's healed. And I reached out to him. I figured it would be okay to share that story. I reached out to him. I said, Hey, do you mind if I share that story? And he said, yeah, there's some details in there that, that might help assist in that story, the one being surgery. I didn't know that he was gonna need surgery for him to be able to recover from that injury. And he also said, and to this day, I'm still healed. That was years ago. That's remarkable, that is something to, to clap for. We can clap for that. <clears throat> I share these passages and stories to ruin it for those of you who might have read it for, as in everybody gets healed all the time. I also share the passage for those of you who are skeptics regarding healing. The men and women in this room who have shared their test or or are testifying saying, yes, I've prayed for people and they've been healed, are not dishonest people. Hopefully, I'm not a dishonest person. I have no benefit of of telling you a lie about whether or not someone got healed. So if you're in here and you're a skeptic, don't be. I'm here to encourage you that God does heal today. But we're going to look at this passage actually in its context right now. It's a little lengthy, and it starts in Isaiah 52 in verse 13 and it runs through 53:12 and it says this Behold my servant shall deal prudently he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high just as many were astonished at you so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men so shall he sprinkle many nations kings shall shut their mouths at him for what he had been for what for what had not been told them they shall see and what they had not heard they shall consider Isaiah 53 verse 1 who had who has believed our report and to to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground and he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him there is no beauty that we should desire him he is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions or our shortcomings. He was bruised for our iniquities. Those are our sins, and the chastisement or the punishment or beating, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent." So he opened his mouth not. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave to be the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence. Nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and, he, and transgressors and he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors transgressors this is a beautiful and profound prophecy of Jesus coming and dying and being buried in a tomb and resurrected for the forgiveness of our sin this prophecy was written some 600 years before Jesus was even born that's remarkable. It is so accurate. It is so perfectly detailed out with what was going to happen to Jesus. I, I, I read that and I marvel at God's kindness and I marvel at his power and I marvel at how he wants to use his people. And that happens in the context of healing too. So what's the problem? What happens when we isolate this passage from the rest of it and try to apply it and everyone, get, everyone gets healed? That's simply not true. Have you guys seen the movie Aladdin? Not the new one with Will Smith, but the one with Robin Williams as the genie? And he's like, poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? And he says, oh, to be free. God's not a genie. When we stand over somebody and we isolate that passage and we say, by his stripes, all of you are healed. If that was true, I would just have you guys line up and I would pray for every single one of you. And I would ask you to pray for me. And we would all be healed, and that would be amazing. But God's not like the genie in Aladdin. It's simply not true. And he doesn't just show up. What do you need? What do you need? But he did set us free, wholly and completely. He did heal us through salvation. That's what this passage is talking about. It's It's not either or, it's both and. But in light of this passage, when we look at it in context, ultimately, It's about the healing that we've received through salvation in Jesus Christ. What else happens when we isolate this passage and we pray and somebody doesn't get healed? Is God not good? Did I not have enough faith? Did the person I'm praying for not have enough faith? Did they have a sin issue? Do I have a sin issue? It leaves so much room for us To minimize who God actually is. And he's not to be minimized. And so when we take this and we do that and somebody isn't healed, there's so much room for doubt. There's so much room for disbelief. There's so much room for a lack of faith. God didn't intend that for us. He did intend for us to continue to pray for people to be healed physically here and now. I don't know why he does and why he doesn't. That's... That's one of the profound mysteries of God. He chooses to heal who he wants to heal, when he wants to heal. I have no idea why. I'd like to think when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, my back hurt for like a long time. Why didn't you take care of that? And, and I probably won't even care at that point. But I'd like to think that when I get there, he's going to have an answer for me. Like, well, well, because of this, or whatever the case may be. And I'm, and I'm sure it's, I'm not sure. I know it's going to be a satisfactory answer. So I, but, so I, can't, I can't worry about that you know what I can do? I can keep praying for people in faith and hoping that they're healed physically here and now. You've heard it said that we live in the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. It's a theology of when, when Jesus died and he went on the cross and he atoned for our sins and he was resurrected. The kingdom came in some level or some increment, and we received some level of healing, whether, whether it be via salvation, which is more healing than we could ever deserve. But the kingdom now, some other people do get prayed for and they do get healed. The kingdom not yet is absolute healing when Jesus returns or when we go to be with him, when we pass away and we go to be with him. That's the kingdom now, a little glimpse of heaven on earth, and the kingdom not yet. And so when we look at that passage in that context, we see the kingdom now via salvation and through some healing for some, whoever God chooses it to be. And then we see the kingdom not yet, in absolute, perfect and complete healing upon Jesus' return or our own death. That leads to my first point. God will heal us completely, but not yet. Philippians, 4, uh, Philippians 4:13, not really. Philippians 3:20 20 through21, but our citizenship we're changing translation this now we're in the ESV is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Revelation 21, you know how some, some Bibles have headings, and they, they kind of give you like the, this is what this section of scripture is going to be about. In, in my Bible, it's titled, A New Heaven and a New Earth. And the passage talks about heaven coming down to earth, and, and it says this, there will be no more mourning or crying or pain. The old things have passed away. He is making all things new. This is the kingdom to come. This is what we will receive when God comes back and ransoms us. He ransomed us through Jesus, but the second coming of Jesus, for those of us who know the story. You know, this lends itself in support of physical healing not being an absolute in this life. You guys know the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts? God speaks to Philip, and he tells him, I want you to go down this road. You know what I love about this passage is Philip's faithfulness. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where he's going to end up. And God says, I want you to go. Not only does God say, I want you to go, and he goes, he tells Philip, this is a desolate place. And Philip goes anyways. I think I would be like, well, what's going to be there when I get there? You give a little, I'll give a little, you know. Give me a little hint as to what I'm expecting to happen. Philip doesn't do any of that. He, in faith, says, okay, I will go to this desolate place. And I will trust that when I get there, whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. Church, can I encourage you? This isn't, this isn't part of, of the sermon, but can I encourage you? When the Holy Spirit comes and asks you to do something, don't ask why. In faith, go. In faith, Respond. God will show you why. He's faithful. And he does this with Philip. We pick it up in verse 32. It's Acts 8, 26 through 38. This is the whole, the whole passage, but we're going to start in verse 32. And it says, <clears throat> now, uh, now the passage of the scripture, this, we're talking about the eunuch, uh, that he was reading was this. The eunuch is reading, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. That's Isaiah 53. Huh. And the eunuch said to Philip, so so now Philip knows. Philip hears him. He's He's in the chariot, and he's like, huh, that guy's reading Isaiah 53. And the eunuch asks him, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Part of the sermon series that we've talked about is scripture interpreting scripture. This is a perfect example of that. The prophecy of Jesus coming, Jesus comes, he dies. Where do you think Philip learned about who Jesus was going to be and how to rightly interpret scripture? Because that's what he does for the eunuch. That's what this whole sermon series is about, is rightly interpreting scripture. You think he learned it from Jesus? He probably did. And so he knew how to rightly interpret Isaiah 53. And what happens to the eunuch? He doesn't get completely physically healed. He had some things he really needed to be healed from. So, so um, but he did receive salvation. He was ultimately healed and given the gift of salvation and was going to spend eternity in heaven. And his response was, right, what prevents me from being baptized? So when you rightly interpret Scripture and you apply it, these are the outcomes. Blessing, healing, salvation. But healing in and through salvation you see, when Adam and Eve committed sin in the garden, there was no sickness before that. But that is how sin, that, that sin is how sickness entered the world. It's cause and effect. Adam and Eve sin, that's the cause. Sickness and disease enter the world. So what is the atonement for? The cause or the effect? The atonement is not for the effect, sickness and disease. The atonement is for sin, the cause. Nobody here is asking God to be forgiven of cancer. Nobody here is asking God to be forgiven for a bad back. Nobody here is asking God to be forgiven for anxiety. They don't need to be atoned for. That's cause, that's, that's effect of the fall. What does need atoning for is our sin. How we wrong God. And Jesus came and atoned for that. And by and large, that's what this Isaiah 53 passage is talking about. We don't ask for forgiveness of a cold. I do want to say that any healing that does take place now is because of the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We have any ounce or opportunity for healing, it's because of what that man did willingly going to the cross on our behalf. And as this, as this passage says being beaten and mocked and scorned and punished to the point of death like a sheep being led to the slaughter or a, shearer, or a, a lamb being led to the slaughter or a, a sheep silent before its shearers. It leads to my second point. Jesus is the cause and the effect. The cause being Jesus' work and ministry and the effect being salvation through Jesus. Jesus tells Mary in John 11:25, 25, I, Jesus, being the cause, am the resurrection and the life, the effect. Jesus is both the cause and the effect. So the question isn't whether or not we will be healed, but when. I think the passage is pretty clear. We already found the answer. Some of us will be healed in certain ways here and now, but ultimately, we will all be physically, wholly, and completely healed when Jesus returns again to save us. That is a gift. We've received a remarkable gift in Jesus on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Death, punishment for for the sins that we've committed, blood being poured out to cover those sins, and resurrection so that we could be reconciled to God. That is exactly what happened on the cross. And that is a gift of healing. But there's another gift to come. And that's when Jesus returns. And he saves humanity, those of us who call ourselves Christians. And we have a new body and a new heaven and a new earth. It's such a beautiful gift that we, again, don't deserve. But God, in his grace and his kindness, chooses to give that to us anyways. And so we say yes and amen. No matter what, this passage of Scripture is beautiful, it prophecies the coming of our Savior in explicit detail, and we've already talked about that. And it does speak of healing, healing in this life incrementally, absolute healing when Jesus returns. So we're coming in the land, and I have a few things that I want to add that kind of capture this whole sermon series. When we read or are praying through Scripture, remember the context. It's so important. God's not a genie. He's not a vending machine, and he is worthy of honor and praise, not us. And when we, minimize them to ha- to, when we minimize him to that, we are honoring ourselves and our flesh. So when we look at these things in right context and we pray through Scripture, we keep God in his right place. Praying through Scripture is a good thing. I don't want you to hear what we're not saying. Please continue to pray through Scripture. You know what that passage, by his stripes we are healed. Please keep praying that. Don't stop. Now that you know, now that we know as a church what it rightly means as a whole, God still wants to heal people. So continue to pray that because there is truth in the fact that by his stripes we are healed. So continue to pray that. I want to encourage you. Don't stop because we misinterpreted that passage previously and now we don't. Don't stop asking for God's blessings. I'm referencing the ask it in my name passage. God loves us. Jesus loves us. And God wants to bless his children. And he does. He does. If we never ever received another blessing from God besides Jesus, we have far more than we could ever think or imagine or deserve. But he still, in his kindness and his love and his grace, wants to bless us. So ask. Don't stop asking. But ask with right motive and good intent. Don't stop praying for healing in general. You don't have to pray by his stripes where you are healed. You can if you want. But pray for healing. And don't get discouraged. John Wimber, he prayed, I think I've shared this from the pulpit before, but he prayed over and over. I think the story goes, he felt God impress on him to pray for healing in his church. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And nobody was healed. And this went on for months. And at one point, he goes, he says, I was praying at this point out of sheer obedience and nothing else. I had zero faith, but I just knew that God wanted, excuse me, wanted me to continue to pray for healing, and so he lays hands on this person, and he prays for them, and they're healed, and he says, I think I was more surprised than the person that got healed, <laughs> and then healing broke out in his church like wildfire, but he, can, he, every, he said every single person he prayed up to it to that point didn't get healed, but he continued to pray anyways, and he continued to pray with expectancy. At the end, maybe not with faith, but still with expectancy, and sometimes out of sheer obedience. So continue to pray for healing. I need it. A lot of us need it. I need you to pray for me for healing. I want to be healed. I'm not going to stop asking for people to pray for me for healing. I've prayed for Kelly's shoulder two or three times, and I pray for him when he's not around. How's your shoulder? Awesome. Good. I'm not going to stop praying for that. I'm not. Steph has health conditions to some degree or another. She had a really intense surgery back in March, and she's still recovering. I'm not going to stop praying for her healing. I love my wife. I love you guys. Why would I stop praying for healing for you? Jesus will heal some of you. Jesus might heal me, and that would be amazing. So don't stop praying for healing.